Greetings to each one in the name of Christ. As we've gathered to worship, to focus our thoughts, our attention on heaven, things that are of Christ, of God. We're working through First Peter step by step. Several Sundays ago, I brought a message here entitled, Take Salvation Seriously. And it focused on 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Of, of, of Peter, of course, seems to ramble from one thought to another, but they all seem to be connected. He's talking to these brothers and sisters that are going through trials or going through a difficult time and encouraging them that the trial of their faith is so precious, more precious than gold, that you keep on focusing on that what's, what's ahead. You keep on focusing what's ahead. You cannot live, uh, you cannot stay in the present. We cannot. Yes, the present is reality. It's not something we can just ignore, but we, we need to keep moving on and need to have our attention and our focus on what's ahead. And he talks about receiving the end of your, of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Then he goes on to this. The interest that, that both the prophets had in salvation and the angels, even today, they, these are things that they could not grasp and understand the way God's people can. True, we can't understand it fully, but we have, we have a better picture of salvation than even the Old Testament prophets did because we stand on this side of the cross. And we have, we have an experience understanding uh, of salvation that angels don't even have because they don't know what it's like to be lost and then saved. And, and the Bible says that they, that they marvel at all this. And then Peter goes on. He talks about, okay, now be holy. Now holiness has several camps. You talk about, we hear something like, oh, that's a holiness church. Or sometimes you hear of people who say, oh yeah, he thinks he's holy. And, uh, and even in, in, our, in our religious circles, uh, holiness uh, is treated in different ways the whole subject some churches next to never mention it they talk about God's love they talk about God's grace and all these things holiness uh, that's getting a little too close because uh, holiness involves something I need to do Something I need to respond to. Okay, that's one group. There are those that would profess you have a relationship with Christ that's based on repentance and faith. You testify of an ex salvation experience and hope of heaven. Holiness? No, you focus everything on, on that salvation experience. And I made it. Holiness, uh, nice, 
not totally necessary. Maybe it's good, yeah, but we we can't make that great anyway. So uh, you know, we don't put a lot of attention on that. Well, and then you have the other ditch from that. You have people who require holy living, but somehow don't have a good understanding, a clear understanding that it's related to having a walk with Christ. Have you ever tried to live holy without Jesus? Now, if anything's tough, is try to be perfect without having someone perfect that you can follow. Or some kind of, something to, to work on, somebody that can guide you. Because, and there are people like that. They want to live holy lives. But they feel, I've got to do it all. That's impossible. That's a losing battle. And then there in between, I hope that's where we find ourselves, that somewhere, that, some, that something must happen between the experience of being born again and going to heaven. Something must happen there, along that way. Some think, think that it's just a second work of grace and it happens, boom, and you have it. Uh, for me, it's been a gradual, and I hope at least growing process. Moving toward that direction. We will read 1 Peter chapter 1, 13 through 16. And it says this, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fastening yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And I want, I want us to remember that this whole concept of holiness is not just a here and now thing. That word wherefore tells us very clearly it's related back to the salvation experience, it's related back to that it's related to that eternal salvation that is to be coming once a person steps out of this life into eternity. Because he says, Hope to the end for the grace and because of that, be holy. Be holy. Peter has just finished talking about this wonderful salvation that both prophets and angels can't quite all put together or couldn't. Then he says, Wherefore, because this salvation is so great, that you have received and because that final salvation is so great that you want to experience forever because of that wherefore you've got to be doing something about this you can't just let it be salvation has a requirement it requires an active expression and he says several things. Be holy. Be alert. Be controlled. And live in a complete hope. 
Now, what is holiness? What is holiness? Some people would say, well, that's being perfect. It has somewhat that idea. But to be holy really means to be set apart for a specific purpose. To be designated for something. In a few weeks, we, Lord willing, plan to have communion. And we, we, we use certain... Certain utensils for that. And it's not that those cups and pitcher and all that couldn't be used for any other thing, but I would assume that they have been somewhat designated. They're set apart. You don't see them around here just any time. And even if they would be used for other things. They wouldn't be the pitcher wouldn't be used as a garbage can. I don't expect. It's been set apart for what it's for what it's designated for its use. It's, it's been made holy. It has a specific purpose. It is separated for something special. It's different. It's distinct. And of course, for the child of God, to be holy is to be different from your past. What would Christian life be like if you were born again and you just keep and you could keep on living just the way you were before? In the same mess. No, it's to be different. And to be holy means to be different than those that are around you that live like you did in the past. You're marching to a, on, to a different leader. You're not in that camp anymore. It's not where you are. Now, for the Christian, that is a position that we receive through making a choice of having a relationship with the Holy One. There is a holiness, a sanctification that, hell, that happens when, 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 the, when the sinner encounters a cross and he says, I confess, I give up, I'm following Jesus, here's my life. There is a holiness that takes place. There's a sanctification that takes place. I don't understand it. But one moment, this individual is a vile sinner bound for hell. And the next moment, he's a saint. he is the most glorified saint. I mean, as far, not in heaven yet, but he's a cleaned up individual. Now, if that isn't a miracle, I don't know what is. 
And then throughout a person's life, there's a progression of lifestyle, a progression of attitude, a progression of heart, a progression of that fits that sanctification that God has put in there. And we call that a progressive holiness. Why? Because you conform and mold and grow into the character of the Holy One that is in you. Just recently, as studying this, it became so blessed to me again, so reassuring that holiness is, is not just my effort. It's my yieldedness. Probably almost more than my effort. Many. Yes, I need, to make, I need to make decisions and things like that. But really, with Christ, the Holy One in me, I just need to yield and conform to, to His image that's there. That takes off a lot. That doesn't take off my responsibility. That it doesn't. But it sure takes off a lot of holiness burden that some people have. In holiness... Our character is changed from that of sin to God and it is changed by God for God. Even as a Christian, it would be futile for any child of God to try to be holy on their own terms or on their own effort. You just don't get far. You don't get far. Definitely, it involves our will. It involves our effort. It, yes, it's not just something that happens just purely automatic and, and you just move along and the longer you're a Christian, just automatically you're more holy. No, it, they're, they're, that progression involves us. but involves the Holy One leading us. It's having that Christ-like heart and spirit and imitating God in every walk of life. I must remember that any holiness that I have finds its root in God, in the Holy One. You don't find it in anywhere else. Because the scripture says, as he is holy, so you be holy. He becomes the standard of holiness. He becomes the root of our holiness. He becomes everything. He is tied to everything that is holy in us. And that everything that we do, everything that, pardon me, more than that, everything that we are reflects God's character of holiness that is in us. Holiness does not adjust to its surroundings. Holiness does not adjust to circumstances. Holiness does not adjust to human relationships. 
Holiness does not adjust to what's convenient. And holiness does not adjust to what are my personal interests, likes or dislikes. God sets a standard for what's holy. And I need to be. And because He is holy, consistently I need to line up with His holiness all the time. Now children, I'd like to just talk to you a little bit. I'm not going to tell you so much a story because I didn't know if I had a story that right fit this. I want to try to explain this word holy to you in a way I hope you can understand. To be holy means to be special. And to treat something as special. Take, for example, this book. You all know what this book is, right? Are these pages any different than any storybook you have at home? Are the pages any different? No. Are they different than your coloring books that you have at home as far as the pages? Maybe look a little different, but they're still paper, right? And glue and stuff like that. What makes this book so different? You think this book is different than the other books? Oh, yes. Why? Because this book is special. This book is very special because it has God's words in it. God told people, men, prophets, He told them, write these things down. Paul and Matthew and Luke and John, Peter and Moses, David, all these, write these things down. And then put them into a book. It took a long time for them to do that. And that's what, the book is made special. The book is special because God is special. And anything that is from God is special. Anything from God is holy. God doesn't have anything that's not holy. And guess what? When people love God, they're holy. Because they're special. That's right. And of course... When you're special, like this book, now this book can't talk, this book can't think, but do you think that this book would say, okay, Pastor Pete, write some bad words in here. You think this book would ever say that if it could talk? No. Why? Because this book is special, it's God's book. And so we don't, we treat this book as special. We do. Because it's from God. Everything that belongs to God is holy and they must act that way. And children, you belong to God. When you belong to God, you want to act that way. You do. You like it when people treat you special, don't they? You like that. 
God treats you special. That doesn't mean that we act spoiled. We just act in such a way that we're holy. Because that's being special. Now after church you can come see me because I think you're special too. What motivates holiness? I have six things. I'll start with C. That promote, that motivate holy living. One is God's character. The scripture tells us here, in verse 15, Because as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. In all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Why should I be holy? God says, because I am. And if you're going to be my child, if you're going to follow me, that's an obvious characteristic. My boys aren't here. Of course, they're grown up. There's one thing that they sometimes were a little un- uncomfortable about when I, what I told them. If they, when they were teenage boys at home and stuff like that, and they would go somewhere, I'd say, boys, now remember who you belong to. It's not that I'm perfect, okay? No. But God tells us that. Be ye holy, why? Because I am. What did Isaiah, when he saw that vision? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. And he could, he was just dumbfounded and just I don't know what Brother Arnie all experienced last Saturday when he went to glory. But he saw holiness in a way he'd never seen it before. And if he could come back and speak to us this morning, I think he would say, brothers and sisters, it's worth it all. It's worth it all. It's worth giving up everything you ever give up. Follow God. It pays Brother Arnie was a tremendous example to us. But God says, follow me. I'm holy. There's something about holiness that is that some people feel very uncomfortable about. But you know, there's something beautiful about holiness. It's clear. It's clean. It's not smudged up. It's genuine. It's There's something attractive about holiness. There is. And anything that is unholy definitely feels uncomfortable when it meets God. 
It can be your attitude, it can be your words, it can be your character, it can be what you're doing, it can be what you're wearing, it can be, it doesn't matter what, what you're listening to, what you're watching, what you're reading. See, but all those things, they indicate the holiness of the heart. And when the heart is not holy, it does not feel comfortable in the presence of a holy God. It cannot. And so God's character motivates holiness. Secondly, God's call motivates holiness. God wants you and me to be part of all that He is. True, you and I will never become Completely like God. We can't. We will never be God. We can't. There are certain elements and attributes and characteristics of God that are, that are, that are divine only. And I'm not saying that we can be holy just the same way God is holy. But God does say, be ye holy because I am. And God says, if you're going to play on my team, if you're going to be my children, if you're going to belong to my family, holiness is not an option. To be a Christian, holiness is part of the prerequisites. It's, just, it's part of the package. You do it. You are it. So God calls us to be holy. It is unfortunate that a lot of evangelical Christianity has bought into this idea. Just get saved, just get born again, you know, whatever. Yes. But give them the whole picture, okay? Some people say, oh, get born again and all your troubles are washed away, you know. For some people, to become a Christian... And being a Christian has been harder than almost the life they had before. Not, not always. The life of sin is never easy. I know that. And the results and consequences of sin are always hard. But we cannot give people the idea that once you're born again, that somehow everything will just work out fine. Hasn't been my experience, and I think there's others here that would testify to that too. But God calls us to be holy, to be all, to be part of all that He is. You cannot just enjoy God's love and grace and somehow bypass holiness. Uh, God, uh, uh, no, that's not that's not where I want to go. Doesn't work. The third thing, God commands us to be holy. What motivates holiness? God's command. He says, as verse fourteen, as obedient children. If you are going to be my children and you're going to be obeying me, then holiness is just... It's where we are. Fourth, what motivates holiness? God's consistency. I'm so glad that God is dependable and you can always count on God to be holy. Wouldn't we be in a terrible situation if we didn't know when God would drop holiness for himself. Or, let, you know, not quite. 
God's he's never not holy. His actions, his calls, his attitudes are always consistent with holiness. God will never ask somebody to do something that is unholy. God will never ask you to be less holy. Everything about God has one even standard of holiness. And it's at the top. Number five. What motivates holiness? It's God's choice. The salvation, and this already caps a little bit what I said before, the salvation that God chooses for mankind, the salvation package that a person, that, that God has planned for mankind includes holiness. As I said before, it's not optional, it's a prerequisite. God's purpose for our salvation is obedience and likeness of character. Likeness of his character. And lastly, what motivates holiness? The conclusion. In verse 13 it says, Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Keep in focus that holiness has a purpose. Hope to the end. Now what are some of the ingredients that are part of holiness as we read in our verses here? It says, wherefore, verse 13, gird up the loins of your mind. Part of holiness involves a well-ordered mind. Really that's the heart, the mind, the inner will being of the individual. That's where, that's where, that's the control center of the human effort part of holiness. It doesn't start with what kind of shoes you're going to put on or what kind of music you're going to listen to. I'm not saying those things are not important. They are. But that's that, that's, that's not the starting line, okay? That's not the starting line. The starting line is gird up the loins of your mind, your heart. And I understand that that word gird up means we're in business. That's what soldiers did. They wore these flowing robes and if they would gird them up, they would tie them up tuck the belt tighter, we're at work. We take this seriously. And they girded them up so that they would be unhindered in their tasks, that nothing would impede them, hold them back. And Peter writes and he says, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind. You're in business. Don't let anything hinder, hold you back. And I understand that word in the Greek here means it's a past once for all act. Do it and keep it that way. Be ready to discharge duty. All true holiness in a child of God 
comes back to that control point of the heart, of the mind, and Christ's control of that. That's where it is. The second ingredient for holiness, again in verse 13, says be sober. That means to be controlled, steady, calm, in possession of yourself, temperate. A well-disciplined life. Oh. That word discipline feels so uncomfortable because usually it involves some pain. <laughs> I'm not just talking of spanking. <laughs> Punishment. No. Most of us, many of us, deal with areas of our life that that, that somehow need to be chipped off. Some of us need to, need to have them chopped off even. Discipline. Be sober. Contro be, be in control. And really it enriches life. All of us are frustrated with others that are not disciplined. And most of us are frustrated with ourselves in those areas in which we aren't disciplined. In the long run, at least, we are. We don't like the consequences, the results. And so Peter tells us, wherefore, with all this wonderful salvation that you have and that's coming ahead. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. And then the third ingredient, have a well-defined goal. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hope completely, without a reserve. Put, put all your stock, all your hope, all your hope in that. One hardly knows at a service like this morning, yes, we need to start somewhat of a new chapter as a congregation without having one of our leaders not here anymore with us. And of course, as a family, you need to do that in even an even bigger way. But I was thinking the other day as I, as I looked at that obituary card, 1939, 2014, there was a dash. And a lot of what was shared and what we've talked the last couple of days, it's in that little dash. That dash is done. But really, really, there was something that wasn't there. The 2014 needs to have an arrow. That's where Brother Arnie's at. None of us, our existence doesn't stop at the dash when the dash is over. That's when the arrow starts. And Peter is saying here, hope for the end, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
There's something beyond. Holiness, holiness is not just for here and now. Holiness has an eternal benefit. Have that as a goal. Set your hope completely on that future glorification. And isn't it true that when a person allows Christ to fill his heart and life with himself, with, with, with God, with, with Jesus, and focusing on heavenly things that really uh, you can avoid a lot of, of those things that hinder spiritual progress. Some people would say, oh, you Christians just live in a future tense. It's not just, but it's sure there. It better be there. Because living for the here and now simply is just downright depressing. Our present actions, our present decisions are governed by a future hope. This is what John writes in 1 John chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and every man that hath this hope purifieth himself even as he is pure. So a well-defined goal is part of holiness. Our outlook will determine our outcome. And our attitude then determines our actions here. And fourthly, the fourth ingredient for holiness is a well-established conversion. I'm not saying that these are all in the sequential order they should be, but this is how they're in the scriptures. Verse 14, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, and so holiness that's what that's what makes holiness what it is. It's not what it used to be in my life. It's different now. Your children inherit the nature of their parents to quite a degree. And we all were born. And anyone who is not converted and born again lives with that carnal nature. What is it like? Basically, it's selfish. It involves high interest in personal gratification. It focuses heavily on being indulgent to passion and personal desires. It's very concerned of being conformed to custom and crowd-pleasing around me. The verse tells us here, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves, not trying to fit in to that which you came out of when you were ignorant, to the kind of person you were like when you were ignorant spiritually. 
I believe Peter talks about, he says, if that happens, that's just like washing the pig and it goes back to the mud. Basically, that's what's happened. And Peter's writing to us and he says, that which is fashioned, that's superficial. That's outward. And it just changes. It's transient. That's not something that, that stays around. And that's part of a carnal nature. Living for the temporary. And Peter writes and he says, don't fashion yourself after that which is contrary to the holy nature of God that is in you. We can't look into each other's hearts. But what people see and hear and notice about me likely is a pretty good indicator of what's really inside. Oh, yes, people can hide a lot of things. They can be deceptive. That is true. But remember that I told you that true holiness is not something that man does by himself. Would you also agree with me that generally, in the long run, people will be able to see whether God's holiness is in me? See, the devil, the world, the flesh, sin, all these things oppose holiness. They do. I'm not going to read these verses, but it's interesting. We're right in, in Sunday school in the book of Joshua. We are right at the beginning of Joshua, this point. But at the end of Joshua's life, they're already in Canaan. Joshua is giving his farewell address. And Joshua is saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But hey, if you if you want to, you you can't just serve the Lord. Why? Because it's sinful. You can't. You have these things that are going to hold you back. That is part of the carnal man. And Peter writes to us as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts. If you're children of God, you can't go back can't go back we don't go that direction and really I don't like to use the word natural in this case it should be pretty well natural for the child of God to obey God I'm not saying it's easy I'm not saying it's automatic but when when God's holiness is in me that that give, that should give me the perspective and the want to, the drive, to then also be moving that direction. As obedient children, because I want to obey. And the closer, the closer my relationship is with the Lord in heart the more bent one will be on obedience I'm not saying obedience is always easy 
but that becomes our passion. Man will imitate the God that they really worship. So I'd like to close. So is holiness really such a standoffish, hard-to-attain, pious, prudish kind of topic? I hope not. Really, to be holy should be refreshing, different, should be special. Because it comes from a heart that's in tune with God. Hebrews 12:14 tells us, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which man no, which, without which no man can see the Lord. Holiness is required for godly vision here and godly vision when the dash is done. And Paul, writing to the Thessalonians, says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, even your holiness. Yes, he's talking about a personal purity there. I want to take it further than that. Because personal purity, everything holy about us, please remember, it stems from a heart that is controlled by a holy God. Where it's suitable, let's kneel to pray. Our Father in heaven, this morning we thank you that you are holy. Yes, you live in a realm and you live on a level that we cannot attain. And yet you call us to a standard. You call us to a level that we cannot attain on our own. And we acknowledge that and we admit that. Father, forgive us where we have tried to achieve a level of holiness with, without you or somehow just using you as somewhat of a crutch. Father, help us to be holy because you are. Father, I pray that, that your presence, your character, your, your person would, would so much indwell each of the children of God that are here. That holiness will be a delight. That holiness will be a joy that becomes merely a matter of yielded surrender and joyful submission to your holy will and character. Father, there are so many things that detract us from holiness and want to pull us away from it. And Father, we pray that our eyes would be just focused on, on you as the Holy One. That you will work in and through us that which is your pleasure. For your glory. And for our eternal benefit. 
Father, this morning we come to you and we confess that we need you. We need you for our spiritual walk. We need you for holy living. There may be those hearing us here today or even here present that need you for salvation. Father, we need you in the daily aspects and duties and adjustments of our lives. And Father, we pray that you would just walk with each one of us today in the coming days. Be our comfort. Be our joy. Be our wisdom. Be our strength. Be our blessing. And Father, we pray that your holiness would radiate out of our lives, that others would see you, would have a longing and a desire to become like you too. We pray for our children. We pray for parents and give us as parents and grandparents wisdom in training and teaching those following us to live lives that please you. We pray for our young people, our young married people. Father, suit a special blessing to them and, and keep them from evil and have them walking in your path. And through each age and stage of our life, Father, we just ask for your direction. Again, too, the Screepseth family, we, we entrust to you and ask for your comfort and blessing to them today. Thank you, Lord, that we can cast all our care upon you, knowing that you care for us. And Father, help us never to forget the goal. Well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.